Hello, everyone. This is The Truth of the Matter Is. I'm your host, Daniel, and I'm here with my brother, Jonathan. This is episode number 63. Speaking on behalf of myself and Jonathan, we just want to say we appreciate everyone for listening in today. Before we begin, let's give a round of applause to, to all who decided to tune in today. Now, this could be episode one in your book or episode 63 as a longtime listener. We just want to say thank you. And we hope that you continue to press play at your own convenience. Yeah, so before we begin with prayer today, how you doing, Danny? How's everything? I have this very weird chronic cough that is uh, kind of lingering around. But other than that, things have been up on the up and up. I'm back in action and uh, slowly getting back into the groove of things how you been i'm doing well and i'm glad you're back and i'm glad that you're obviously taking some time and you're hoping for a much more better recovery as you said that there's some of the symptoms haven't completely gone yet but you're taking it as it goes and that's important you're allowing yourself the space not to feel like you have to rush back, but that you're just glad to be back up on your feet again. All right, on that note, we're going to start off with prayer. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Not because of what you are doing in the life of a believer or an unbeliever, but that you continue to be a God who is patient and provides second, third, fourth, fifth, and six plus chances, along with grace and mercy. Lord, you have shown your patience by not wanting anyone to perish, but by allowing everyone an opportunity to come to repentance. Lord, I want people to be aware that your love for them is unmatched, that it is real, and that it is authentic, that your love for us has been present since the beginning of time, before we were even created. That your love for us individually does not always happen in an instance, but that it is a process. When we think about relationships, the common understanding of them is they take time and it's only with time and effort that a relationship can continue to thrive, develop, and evolve. I pray, Lord, that we worship you in reverence and appreciation for who you are. The truth of the matter is, it's not about what you are doing. It's about what you have already done. We must keep in mind and remember that, Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Today, Lord, we come to study, to learn, and discuss your word. We ask that you bless all ears that have decided to listen to our conversation. Bless all hearts that have a willingness to receive the information provided in this discussion. And bless all minds to reflect on the information from today's discussion in its entirety. I say this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
All right, before we go to the text, I think it's best to begin with conversation. Let's set a foundation up so that the text can provide us with some answers while also giving us an example on why tithing and offering has meaning. Why sowing to the kingdom of God is a matter of faith and not an obligation. And of course, we will address why the church asks for money. Where does your money go? And how do I know the money is going in the right place? But before that, then you have a few questions that I want to start off with. And you can answer them comfortably. You don't have to give out all your information, but the bare minimum is required. So what are some services you pay for yearly or monthly that you can name off the top of your head that you use in regularity? I have a YouTube premium subscription and Amazon and Netflix. First three that came to my head. All right, cool. So I suppose the one that speaks to me the best is Amazon. So we're gonna we're gonna have this conversation about Amazon. In your humble opinion, what are some benefits of having Amazon? So that our mom can continuously bring packages to the house. The yeah, first I, I, I really don't understand. It's like every day, every week, there's some package coming from Amazon. And I know it's not your name on it, but <laughs> I get that. Yeah, yeah. Anything else would you say other than how mommy obviously enjoys Amazon? No, that's the only reason I still have the service, really. Okay. Now. You would say it's convenient, right? Sure. Yeah. One of the things that I've enjoyed while using your subscription is that it provides one day, two day, three day shippings. And that's if it's able to do so, it does. And I think that's pretty cool. And the product can vary, but the access is almost unlimited. And I'm speaking in regards to the amount of different things you can look up and Amazon provides. It's sort of like the feeling that I got a long time ago when Walmart was such a big thing. Everything you ever needed from supermarket down to items, you can all get it there. That's that's one of the things I think Amazon is winning in the market. It's just the accessibility of whatever you need in that incident so you thought of, they have it, right? Now, here's some facts. This is also public information. Amazon operates more than 175 centers worldwide. Before I continue, one other thing. What are you paying monthly to keep the Amazon account? It's like $14.14, something like that. Okay, so you're you're looking at about, uh, about $139 a year. Okay, okay. Sure. So, Wabin? I said sure. Okay. So, in 2017, they made about $177 million. In 2018, looks here, they made $232 million. 2019, $280 million. million. Wabin? Billion or million? Million. In 2020, $386 million. Now, during the pandemic, it said that Amazon went nearly 200% in profit 
So this is where you have the $6.3 billion that they made during the pandemic. So that's kind of crazy that the percentage in terms of the success made such a jump. But obviously, this is during the time when everybody was inside. And what was convenient and definitely an option was ordering online. Because no one wanted to be in the stores and no one wanted to contact one another, you know, from touch to touch because they were so concerned about the virus. Now, what we can see based upon these numbers is during that time till now, the uses of Amazon has gone up, obviously due to the, you know, pandemic. And it obviously was convenient, right? And the results was that you had a lot of happy customers. Now, this is what I would consider to be a successful business. Now, the reason why I bring that up, we're going to find out in a few. Now, let's, again, start off with the basics. Let's define what a business is, Daniel. What is a business? A business is defined as an organization or enterprise entity engaged in commercial, industrial, or professional activities. Okay, so... What are some examples of businesses? Well, there's different types. You can have corporations, limited liability companies, partnerships, marketing, uh, general partnerships, nonprofit organizations, etc. All right, and sole proprietors, right? Yeah, so another thing to mention is that some businesses run their small operations in a single industry, while others are large operations that spread across many industries around the world. The goal of any business is to provide product and service that can be purchased by individuals and also other companies. Now that we've educated ourselves in the basis matter of what a business is, we spoke about what it provides, the value that the people give it. The question that I have for churchgoers, for the believer and unbeliever is why are we not considering the church as a business? Is the church not providing service for people like a second home, even a first home? How about a place to learn? Remember, people come to church for spiritual renewal and to be spiritually informed about the spiritual warfare along with things that are spiritually happening from a Christian lens, right? Now, what are some of the services that churches provide, right? They have daycare centers for. Working moms, no dad, unfortunately, and they don't have babysitter. They can't afford a babysitter for their children. So some churches provide that service. Let's not forget after school programs for kids who want to play sports, basketball, football, soccer. Right. There's a variety of different clubs like theater. Music. Tutoring. Some churches provide that. You have the access and the desire to feed the homeless with food, provide clothing for them, right? There's a lot of trouble going on in different homes. There's marriage counseling, right? There's mental health counseling. There's opportunities for bonding, which is why there are camps during the summer, retreats, right? These are services for the people within our community that need it desperately. So in the business, my question is, who works for free? Please tell me, because I don't know too many businesses that work for free. I know they provide services that are free, but not all churches can do these things free of charge. 
if the church is going to operate, I would surmise that they need their lights on, right? They need their water bill paid. They need restroom access. How about materials and supplies, seating, microphones, instruments, outfits? The reality is the church needs money and donations from its people within the community. That using those resources to help their children out of trouble or in the service is needed. Not just by the family member, but by friends, right? By acquaintances, right? You would want to take advantage of these things. That is where some of your tithes and offerings are going, all right? Yes, I know what some might be thinking. The church can use volunteers, right? Absolutely. Sure, many of them do. But there are some cases where you will need paid professionals to come in and contribute and provide the best service possible for those who are in need. We can't make suggestions without general, you know, without having generous givers and a budget to make things happen that are realistic and that can be an impact for the child or for any adult that's looking for somewhere to go other than the streets. Now, before we go to our text for today, two more things that I, that need to be addressed. I am not going to pretend that I don't know that, yes, I am aware of pastors who are rich and have asked for large sums of money for personal benefits. And reality is not all pastors seem to make the same amount of money or live the same lifestyle. So the question is, why so into these churches, right? My response would be two verses. I will let the Bible speak to you, and hopefully you will receive it. And you can use your own judgment about where you are willing to sow and how you're planning to move forward. The truth of the matter is, God gave us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a mouth. And a beautiful mind. We need to use it. Right. Now I hope these two verses can ease your mind. Maybe you've never came across these verses before. Truth of the matter is. We come to provide you a biblical answer. And again. Something I've mentioned. Is that we can't. Use a broad brush. And paint the same situation. For every pastor. That isn't operating in living in truth right we have to be honest that the value takes place in the community not in one individual if you value the community you value the people that rely on churches that are doing the good work this is the reason why your offerings and tithes are necessary but we're going to get into that a little bit more let's first go to our first verse we're going to go to first corinthians Chapter 9, I'm going to see this in verse 7 through 12 in the NIV. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses. Do not muzzle an ox while it is trending out the green. It is about oxen that God is concerned. Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this is written for us, 
because whoever plows and treasures should be able to do so in hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? Very clear, very straightforward to the point. Look at verse, we're going to look at the second verse. We're going to go to book of James, chapter 3, verse 1. And we're going to look at this in the Amplified Version. Daniel? Not many of you should become teachers, serving in an official teaching capacity, my brothers and sisters. For you know that we, who are teachers, will be judged by a higher standard because we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly. Again, very simple, very direct, real honest, nothing difficult about these two verses. My suggestion is you read them in your own time, check them out in the different translations, and I think that you should take it up with God. All right, that's a matter of what's been laid down, and I think we should consider it. Now, last point I want to make before we read our text for today. I want to speak about the value of professionalism and professionals and guest speakers who come to churches. What makes them good at their job is their ability to tap into their gifts, talents, and abilities and encourage, motivate, and inspire others to do better and be better. The quality of effort, the desire, and compassion can be enhanced by someone's presence when they are really good at their job. Now, I want to focus more on the worship experience. The trajectory when it comes to worship experience can take a huge jump and make a huge impact in any given church, right? Understand what the church is. The church is a place where people can worship. Remember, our relationship with God is both a private and public experience. I've said to my friend Eric in a Bible study and to my friend Jen, we can worship God when we are by ourselves, but the term worship usually suggests something that is done publicly. The English word worship is related to the word worth. We declare God's worth when we worship him, whether that is by ourselves or in a corporate setting of a church. The declaration of what becomes worth is to us can be made both privately when we are by ourselves in our prayers and publicly in the words we sing and the songs we dance to in service. Let's go to first Peter chapter two, verse nine. And this is what it says. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. So we are called to declare God's praises as an example. That is worship that takes place in church. Not to mention both the Old and the New Testament gives us examples of God's people worshiping together as a community, not in isolation. Remember, we grow in community, not in isolation. The point that I'm making is just like any business, in order for it to make a difference in the community and thrive, there's a need for funding and donations. That's part of what tithing and offering provides. 
Now that we have built the foundation, let's go to the text for today. So Daniel, can you please read Luke chapter 21? We're going to read verses 1 through 4, and we're going to read this in the English Standard Version. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contribute out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. All right, great job, Daniel. Let's really unpack this text. Here, we're going to go a bit deep. When we look at verse 1, first thing I notice is that Jesus saw both the rich and the poor widow place something into the offering box. So what do we have here? Two classes of people, right? The rich and the poor doing what? Putting something in the offering box, okay? Second thing I notice is Jesus looked and saw. Now, before I continue, Daniel, can you help me? out with this because maybe I'm bugging right what do we know God to be described as being are you talking about your favorite omnipotent meaning all powerful you should say it considering how many times you usually do say it go, go on ahead well go I have fight. issues pronouncing the O's so that's all match I think it's omniscient omnipresent Right. Mm -hmm. And the way I've mm -hmm. looked at it, <laughs> the way I've looked at it is, you know, he's all powerful. He's all knowing. And he's present everywhere at all times. I, I don't I subscribe to the definitions, not the specific words. But, yeah, we know him to be all knowing. Right. We know mm -hmm. him to be all powerful and we know him to be present everywhere at all times. So help me out here. Right. Because maybe I'm bucking. But if we know God, right? This this hear me out here. And this might, you know, take some time building up. But I wanna know if this makes sense. Cause when I when I looked at this and I was studying preparation of this, it just blew my mind how basic to me this appears. But I might be wrong, so you'll be the judge here. If we know God to be all knowing and we know God to be present everywhere at all times right and we look at this text specifically and it says that jesus looked and saw which means that jesus was aware of what was being given in the offering box right why are we concerned about our offerings let's understand something right who's the jesus fellow again ah uh, yes we know that jesus is to, to be god in the flesh well, what proof do we have? Well, we have the scripture. So let's walk this down. Let's go to the Gospel of John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 to 3. Daniel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. All right. Let's continue in the Gospel of John. Let's go to verse 14 and still in chapter 1. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. All right, we're going to stick back in first John. Let's go to verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who 
is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So if we know God to be in the flesh at that moment specifically, when he said Jesus looked and saw, we know God to be all-knowing, so he's aware of what's happening in the past, present, and future. So nothing ever occurs to God. My question is, why are we the people, right, the people worried about where our money goes and how it gets used? We just read that Jesus, who is God, looked and saw the rich and the poor widow put something in the offering box. So if Jesus saw this during this time, is it not possible for Jesus to see what gets put into the offering envelope now and what gets sent online today? Since he's present everywhere at all times. Remember, God is not subject to time, space, and matter. He's outside of those things. He's outside his own creation. Right? And even in biblical times in history, he's chosen to step into it. Now, I'm using this specific text here, Luke 21, verses 1 through 2, and our knowledge of God to ask a question. Why are we the people using this reason not to get? Worrying about your tithes and offerings. If God sees what you did, and once it leaves your hand, you're no longer responsible about how it gets used, why are we worried? I'm honestly not sure. Now, do you have any suggestions, Daniel, might be the reason? I think human beings tend to want to hold on to things even when they're given. And sometimes... People have that selfish nature of trying to dictate what goes where when it, you know, when it's out of their control. Okay. To give means to to let it go and, you know, hope that it benefits the person utilizing it. Hmm. Or you're handing over trust, essentially. Or you're showing an appreciation of your gratitude, so to speak. Okay. Now, we have suggested and spoken about where and how we can sow our seed. The decisions are left in our hands. I'm just telling you, if the offering and the tithes is being used ungodly, that is for God to deal with, not you. Remember, God is fully aware of what is happening because he sees it all. You don't think that I'm telling the truth? Let's go to Luke chapter 12, verse 25 through 26. What does it tell us, Daniel? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? So that's an example of why we shouldn't worry. But I want you to look to hear this next verse out. We're going to go again to Luke chapter 10, verse 29 to 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Because the point is, don't worry about what's happening. Okay? After you give. God hears all. He sees all. He knows all. I think to some extent we're insulting his ability to know all, see all. By taking matters into our own hands. Let God be God and you be you. Now, let's unpack verse 3 and 4. Daniel, could you remind the people what it says? Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. 
So credit to this poor widow's response here. We see the power of her sowing. And that's based on her own personal individual faith. Now, why do I say that? Well, according to Jesus, this poor widow has put more than the rich. Why? Because she gave out of her poverty. She gave out of all she had to live on. Now, let's take her actions and apply it to a more modern lens. The question is, if your rent is $950 and you just finished working on last two weeks and you have $1,000, you pay your rent, you're left with $50, which is all you have left. The question is, do you place all of it into the offering box? Now, the answer I believe many will say is no. In this day and age, most would consider this not using common sense. Now, we are not going to prescribe anything to anyone, but here's some food for thought, something to consider as I go deep into this explanation. So what do we know? The poor widow gave out of her faith. What's the definition of faith? Well, King James says in Hebrews 11:1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, when we define substance here, how is it defined, Daniel? Substance, the real physical matter of which a person or thing consists and which has a tangible, solid presence. Now, who can we say is tangible, which means it's perceptible by touch perceptible means capable of being perceived and or recognized i would have to think that that would be god he can be perceived and recognized how do i know the scripture says in second corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 that so we fix our eyes down on what is seen but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal so if we go back to Hebrews 11, in that same chapter, verse 3, what does it say? Hebrews 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. See, what we can conclude that God has chosen is that he's chosen not to be seen. But his substance, his perceptible touch should be perceived and recognized. Let's go even deeper. In the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 18, we can look at the Amplified Version. What does it say, Daniel? For God does not overlook sin, and the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who in their wickedness suppress and stifle the truth. Because that which is known about God is evident within them and their inner consciousness. For God made it evident to them. For ever since the creation of the world, his visible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through his workmanship, all his creation, the wonderful things that he has made, so that they who fail to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without defense. So as you can see, as we go through the scriptures, the answers are here. Not always plain in sight, but God has left his answer in his word. And what we see here is that God purposely has decided to 
remain unseen. And it's clear in Hebrews that what was created was created by the invisible, right? What we see here in Romans is that God is mentioning that he's present in our inner conscience, that his attributes are invisible. But what we can clearly see, right? Some call it the Big Bang. But we clearly see that the world we're sitting in, that we're standing in, that we're walking around, that we're living in, God has something to do with that. But obviously that would be a miracle, and most people don't believe in miracles. Now, here's something else I want to know. The poor widow placed her offering into the box, right? That's all she had. She gave in faith and believed and trusted in God that he would make a way for her. Remember, when it comes to faith, there's substance, which is perceived and recognizable. But perceptible touch, that's the only thing that comes through that you can be a believer of. That you're going to receive the blessing, and of course, the blessing isn't always going to be provided with evidence that you can see. See, let's look at Luke 12. Verses 27 to 32 for a second. What's it say, Dan? Consider how the wildflowers grow. Do they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? So what is the text saying? It's saying that nature has been being taken care of for decades, for years, right? We can't see it other than nature taking its course. It's in the scripture that some people have decided to worship the creation rather than the creator. Not too long ago, I just spoke about how God is outside of time, space, and matter. God obviously set things in motion, and I believe that he wants us to understand that if nature gets taken care of, how much more can we be taken care of? You see, God the Father knows what you need. I truly believe that God, in this instance, going back to Luke 21, verses 1 through 4, provided for that poor widow. Right? He gave out. She, the, the reality is that she gave out of her poverty because she knew she had faith. And God knew that she needed needs. Now, she gave, and I believe she was taken care of due to her faith in God. I believe there are mysteries of God and how he chooses to respond. And every way he chooses to respond continues to surprise us. Other times you will find out how you were blessed and by whom, and sometimes you'll never know. Think about this for a second. When we pray, this just came to me. Doesn't Jesus say to do it behind closed doors? As a matter of fact, let's go to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. And we're going to look at this in the NIV. What does it say, Daniel? When you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father, who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, that's powerful. What does this say? It's saying that your God, who's unseen, is asking you 
to go into a room, close the door, who's unseen. And the very thing that you're asking in your unseenness, he who is in his unseenness is then blessing you, right? <laughs> That's interesting, right? Now, now that we've broken down Luke 21, verses 1 through 4, let's tie it all together. The church, I believe, should be respected and recognized, just like any other business that exists out there. The church needs tithes and offerings to function. I believe after this conversation, I would hope that it is clear, and that is clearer than ever, that we shouldn't prohibit ourselves from wanting to give to an entity that's wanting to be a blessing for the community and for people who need it. All right? Episode 58 and 59, part one and part two, I spoke about why we should gather. One of the points I've made is that when you are part of a body of believers, you are operating in what I call a corporate fellowship. And in this corporate fellowship, one thing we should have in common is the belief in mutual cooperation in God's worship, God's work, God's will being done in the world. Now, how else can that happen unless we have some generous, educated, faithful givers? Right? If you're about God's work, God's will being done in the world, then you're about helping and giving what you can. All right? Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and this is what it says. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, will you will abound in every good work. Great job. Now, before we go to devotion, I just want people to understand a few things, right? Some other episodes on this podcast that I think are worthy of mention that could be helpful in your growth that might have some pretty good, highly important information that can relate to this is episode four. How was God's love experience? And in this, I bring up Matthew 25 and I speak about all these different things you're doing. And one of the things that summarizes that is that all the things that you're doing for these people you're doing for god and obviously we're talking about tithes and offering and i want people to understand that the love that you have for your community right the love that you have for one another is an extension of god's love right no one has ever seen god and this is in first john but if we love one another god's love lives in us and his love is perfect and what it's sent out to do right if you've read the book of Acts, then I know you read the book of Acts. One of the things that it talks about is in the beginning, start of the church, you had people giving what they their belongings in order to help the multitude of people, right? That's part of a mm -hmm. community that cares about the development and the growth, not just of the kingdom of God, but of people that are in need. There's episode 19, Praying Through a Biblical Lens. What we've done today is use scripture to answer a lot of different questions that people have. And I know so often people say, well, how do I know the Bible answers this question? 
still study, right? I talk about asking you shall receive, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be open. That's Matthew 7, 7. I use that as a basis all the time because it's based upon your your ability to continue to ask, to continue to seek, to continue to find. And I don't think God is hiding where you can't find him. I think God is available. As we stated last week, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Episode 23, Handling Concerns, right? We spoke about a practical way about handling concerns. That before it becomes something that's completely out of pocket that you can't get a grip of, you you sort of built up a plan to kind of minimize things before it becomes a big issue. Okay? So it's okay to be in a place of concerns, but not in a place of worry. Because now you don't have any concession plan in place to make the adjustments. And finally... We've done an episode called Judgment and Forgiveness, one of my favorites. We talk about how the concept of judgment that is utilized is don't look at any fruit in my life and then judge me. But we talk about there's a certain kind of judgment that is necessary for your friends, for decision making, for things that doesn't repeat itself in your life, right? And obviously, forgiveness, that's a big discussion. So we both encourage you to check out some of these along with the conversation today. And I believe that if you are on this journey with us and you've been listening since day one, we appreciate you. We thank you. And this is the reason why we do what we do. We want to help people. We want to encourage people. We don't want to make decisions for them, but we want to provide them with a biblical response and therefore they can move accordingly. This is the reason why we provide not just the chapter, but also the verse, so that in your own personal time, you're at liberty to check, you're at liberty to look at the translations, and you're at liberty to see if the way that word, the rightly dividing the word, if you agree with it. All right? Interesting thing is you can have 10 people look at something and they all come to a different conclusion. All right? Now, on that note, if there's nothing else that then you want to add, we can jump right to devotional. Open Our Homes to a Missionary, Minister, or Fellow Christian is an important way to demonstrate the love of God. John noted that an elder uh, elder named Gaius had recognized these ministers as brothers and sisters rather than as strangers. Gaius likely went to great lengths to host these traveling preachers in his home. Invite fellow Christians into your home whether for a small group meeting, a family dinner, or larger for seven days, forces you to change your schedule, to share your resources, and to make space for others. If you truly believe that you are brothers and sisters with fellow Christians, the proof will be in how generous you share your home. In John chapter 1, verse 5 through 6 in the NIV version, it says, Dear friends, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters even though they are strangers to you. Understand that hospitality is a sacrifice, but it's a vital way to encourage and support fellow believers. Along the way, you enjoy deeper relationships with your Christian family and even benefit from the blessings and prayers of those who share your home. And not just Christians, but you know, all people. Lord, for our prayer this week, we come to you and we say, 
Please help me to be generous and practice hospitality with needy fellow believers. For I know that in taking one of your children into my home, I am taking you. And all in agreement say, Amen. Amen.